Hello, Hello horror, horror fanatics. fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Ow! Oh, the the horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com to connect to your favorite podcast platform. Check out our episodes right there on the website connect to our facebook group instagram page and go to our youtube channel to watch our hot sauce challenge <laughs> or one video you know yeah yeah so don't this forget is... to bark at unexpected noises outside <laughs> so this is take two on a, a an amazing rant we were going on we were uh, in yeah. rare form yeah. and uh we were talking about how we're one take podcast because uh you were hacking and coughing. We are like, well, we'll just keep that in. We're leaving it in. Yeah. And then I looked down and it's not recording. Yep. And we missed it all. So wah, wah. we'll shelf that conversation for, for another, another day. Another day. Because it definitely, there were some things there that. Uh, so what are we talking about yeah. today, Hanky Panky? So today, <laughs> today, uh, episode 155, uh-huh. Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. Yeah. This is um This is one of my picks. I was like, oh no, we're talking about this. Yeah, and if uh if the algorithm brought you in or a search term or something like that, you know, or if you're uh, chasing kind of RS feeds on this topic. Right. Uh this is obviously if you're a fan of this topic, it's a very deep, deep, wide topic. It's juicy. Well, and it's no, but it's just big. It so is. if yeah. you're looking for specific details this episode. We'll get into some, but yeah. it's just too wide. Yeah. So um, we'll definitely do future episodes Correct. of certain things yep. because yep, yep, they yep. definitely have their own context. So if you're a Bridgewater Triangle enthusiast or right. expert or what have you. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, we're going to do the general thing to dip the toe in and uh, and explain to people who don't know what, it what is. Bridgewater yes. Triangle is and you know where it came to be and, and what it is today. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot here. This is there a is. place that really has it all. It does. For the paranormal yeah. person, like this is the For our podcast, it really checks all the boxes. Oh, it UFOs, does. Check. check. Cryptids, check. check. Ghosts, check. Yeah. Paranormal activity, check. Yeah. Weird, like true crime, check. Yeah. Culty behavior, check. Yeah. Like, Satanic rituals. Yeah. You know, check. I mean just it's all there it's all there you know and it and it has this real kind of seductive attractive history to mm -hmm. it uh well i mean and mysterious i mean it, it's yeah. just shrouded and wrapped in mystery so yeah. i wanted to put that disclaimer out in the beginning you yes. know because yes. there are people that are they've really committed their whole careers just to this, to yeah. this one place yeah. uh and if you are finding us for the first time welcome uh, thanks for finding us. Keep your hands and, and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Yeah, try. Because you, you don't know what's going to bite it. Yeah. And uh, will we make some mistakes on this? Maybe. 100%. Will we go on rants? <laughs> Possible. 100%. We might have got it all out of our system <laughs> earlier. You know. Uh, but yeah, it just, uh, there's a lot of separate things here that really have either their own episode or we could do the BOGO thing where you right. would do like half and I would do the half. Yeah. So there's, there's, oh. 
Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. So what do you got for sources? I have three. Enterprisenews.com, theyankeeexpress.com, and thepatriotledger.com. Wow. Okay. What you got? I got uh, legendsofamerica.com, mm-hmm. uh, the Taunton Gazette. Mm-hmm. Com, mm-hmm. Uh, astonishinglegends.com, mm-hmm. and then we both watched just before this. We sure did. The Bridgewater Triangle documentary. Yes, and which was on Amazon, So correct? it's on YouTube yep. and Amazon Okay. Uh, at this point in time, free of charge. If you have right. Prime yes. for Amazon, you can watch it. It's part of the Prime package. And I believe it's on YouTube where you can just... You watch know, like it. hop on and watch it. It's mm-hmm. about an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, I of, liked it. A lot of information. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I think they they it started out well. Uh, I was surprised mm-hmm. at how few of the Boston accents there really was. There was a couple, though. There were a couple. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there you are. It's not really Boston. No, it's you know? not. I mean, so. But if I'm being honest, that. That accent that we associate with Boston mm-hmm. really travels up through parts of Maine and goes south mm, into parts of Rhode Island. And yeah. I say that only because oh. I've listened to like news stories. Yeah, I know. You've seen people on TV. It's <laughs> I've seen news say. stories. And- I know, but I, you're talking to someone who had family in Long Island. So Long I, Island's different. I didn't say Long Island. Yeah, but you said down to Rhode Island. So to get to Rhode Island on the coast, you have to skip over that little landmass called Long Island. You know, well, so it is different. So like Maine, there's an overall New England accent. I'm going to try to represent yeah. the New Englanders here. There's an overall New England accent that you can't deny. And that Correct. I would say is equivalent as the Southern drawl down south agreed where you have this Mm -hmm. overall just tone yeah but it is different where you can hear maine and it's like that's maine like you get the loggers and like up Mm -hmm. through there that's very very maine then you get down through you know massachusetts and connecticut because i tell you what if you tell somebody from connecticut that they sound like somebody from Massachusetts, they'll get fucking pissed because that's a bunch of New York overachievers over in Connecticut. You know, then Long Island is this branch of the boroughs in New York City that's out into the island. Yeah, and there's their accent is completely different. Completely different than New York and completely different than the northern states we just mentioned. Exactly, here. yeah. They're their own thing. Yeah. But they have that all-encompassing northeastern coastal accent yeah like i said the like the equivalent of a southern drawl yeah down in the south it hard is a's. undeniable hard long a's very hard a's um, few r's in the actual word but then they in they put the r sound before like yeah like in words where there is no r and yeah, you're like yeah hmm. okay yeah really emphasis the sh on like su like sure yeah you know but again they drop the R. Yeah. And there's clearly an R. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like Boston is definitely. And then they'll put an R in like Warsh. Boston's like a very aggressive in one area. It is. New- Long Island's very aggressive in like in another, another area. Yeah. And then, like I said, Maine is kind of its own thing, you know. Yeah. That just, uh, 
Yeah, because there's some people in Maine where you're just like, I have no idea what the hell this person's saying. You may as well be Scottish you know? <laughs> and drunk. <laughs> you just smile and go, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, bye. Oh, Dad's calling. Well. He's in Florida. I hope so. he's enjoying himself. Yeah, probably. He's, well, I know what he's going to do. He's going to be like, gonna be like, I thought you know out. <laughs> no, he's going to be he's going to be like, you know what? It's been 70 degrees here. It's beautiful. 75. I'm never leaving. You know. Good how, on you, Baz. How is it over there? How's that 20, 30 degrees doing? You know. Yeah. Well, it got up to like 40. I think it's going to be 60s next week, but yes. you Shh. Know. Don't say it out loud. Yeah. You'll scare it. Yeah. So the Bridgewater Triangle, this is located in southeastern Massachusetts. It is. It's an area of about 200 square miles. Yeah. Which, all right, I guess we have to get into it in order to. No, but I'm just giving a very high level yeah. bit of, it's It's an area of about 200 square miles. And it's been the site of many legends. Yes. Many curses. For centuries. Yeah. And it's been home to very strange phenomena. Um, and as you mentioned before, this includes ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, strange creatures, um, rituals. Yeah. Uh, yep. Just yep. you name it. And um, these were originally uh, where the name came from was this cryptozoologist and folklorist, Lauren Coleman. Yes. And he coined the term Bridgewater Triangle in a book he wrote in the 70s called Mysterious America. 1983 is the date I have for Mysterious Fine. America. I, like I said, yeah. we're not in the details this episode because no, it's just but too vast. He did coin it. And it's and in his book, he said it's the boundaries are Rehoboth in the southwest, Abington in the north, and Freetown in the southeast. And if you connect those three points, you get a triangle. Yeah. And it includes the towns of Taunton, Brockton, uh, Raynham, Berkeley, Dighton, Easton, Norton, Mansfield, and the Bridgewaters. There's East and West Bridgewater as well as Bridgewater itself. Mm -hmm. And they are saying that it does actually leak out into the surrounding areas around. So while, yeah, there is a triangle... And that triangle is the 200 square miles. The A lot of the paranormal stuff happens in the outlying areas. So they're yeah, saying no, it's, it's actually a, a, a it's bigger this, chunk. It's this area, you know. Yeah. And now before we even get into any of the kind of heavy lifting, the big debate that's been going on there and contentious for the longest time is that has this stuff been going on longer than they think? Right. Because they basically, traditionally, they track it to uh, this event with a um, a, a Native American curse. Yes. And, um, you know, obviously I know you're going to get yep. more into detail yep. with that. But but there's there's two camps, basically. There's some that say, yeah, there's this Native American curse of this right. event and that happened with that colonialists and, yeah. and uh, you know, and the natives. Um, but then there's this other group that says this goes way past and way further. And, and there was kind of a little bit of a murmuring about that they think it it's not any of those. And that this area, there's something about this area that caused all those other things mm -hmm. to happen. Which yeah. means it's just like been there since its inception. 
So you so, mean water has a memory? It does. Olaf <laughs> said. And modern investigators into the triangle, and there are a lot of them, insist that there are by no means clear boundaries for the haunted and strange happenings. No, no. They point to Fall River, which if you're like, that sounds oddly familiar, Liz- Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Think back to her. Parts of Rhode Island, nearby towns, and even Cape Cod is being under the influence of this triangle and, and the weird happenings. Mm-hmm. No one ever said there's a line on the road, and if you're on one side of it, you're fine, and outside of the triangle, but if you're on the other side, you're in it, said author and paranormal investigator Jeff Bellinger, who was in the documentary. Yeah, they had a lot of it, people in It there. bleeds out, mm-hmm. is what he was saying. So the documentary is um, the Bridgewater Triangle, and it came out in 2013 and included everything from Lauren Coleman to these many investigators. Oh, they had a lot of name drop and a paranormal uh, oh, investigators they sure out did. there. But I get it. It's local people trying to support themselves up. I, I don't have a problem with that. So um, I'm not going to rattle them all off <laughs> on this one. You know. So Coleman, Lauren Coleman, wrote about the infamous Hockamock Swamp which is located between Easton and West Bridgewater, is being known for its sightings of spook lights, unexplained balls of light floating around, as well as large hairy creatures, like their version of Bigfoot. He has also penned some of the most famous Bridgewater Triangle stories, how two WHDH radio reporters from Boston saw a home plate-shaped UFO with red lights, and a front headlight in West Bridgewater in 1979, and how in 1971, Norton Police Sergeant Thomas Downey spotted a gigantic winged creature while driving home through Easton one night and reported it to the Easton police, much to his ridicule. And he just stopped talking about it. He's like, I saw what I saw, which they were saying was on like Bird Hill or something, and they're like, I don't know whether it was called that before he had the sighting or (laughs) if it was coined that after, because you'll find that the the names of these places kind of get their own name based on what has has happened in the areas. But the the epicenter, it it appears, in this area is the Hockamock Swamp. The Hockamock Swamp. That's where you get your Pukwudgies. The Bigfoot. Yeah. There were some spook lights. And that's the draw. Like yeah. if if you're yep. if you're heading to this place to check it out, like yep. that's the spot that's you're going. That's where you want to go. And then and then from outside of that, right? It, Correct. It would ripple out, so to speak. So, but these investigators are saying these stories go far beyond what Coleman captured in his book. The mysterious Dighton Rock with its strange writings is often included, Mm -hmm. and that was the one that actually has, like, a poem etched into it. Yeah. And no one knows when it was etched, who etched it, how it got there. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's a a thing that can happen. Sure. Well, it can, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you're like, "Uh, okay. You got to just say, okay, this is a thing that can happen. Yeah. This is a thing now. (laughs) Anawan Rock in Rehoboth. Lake Nipponicket in Bridgewater and Profile Rock in Freetown are all hot spots for sightings of phantom campfires, ghosts of Native Americans. Now, it should be noted that this area was all heavily 
native area. It's essentially what yeah. was the Plymouth Colony. It mm. it encompasses a huge portion well, of Well, it was near water. It was. Um, I mean, know, it so would make sense. Most Native American tribes or, or mm-hmm. groups of Native Americans would always gather around water. I mean, it's just something mm-hmm. you do. You know, if you yeah. want to survive somewhere, you got to be you need water. near water. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a largely Native American area. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the introduction of colonialists coming in. Yep. And, you know, those are the problems that occurred. Right. You know, and so basically the struggle happens between the two groups. Yeah. And we'll get into it. You know, yeah. Because there's a thousand things here. Um. So another notable site for paranormal sightings are Solitude Stone, mm-hmm. the Raynham Taunton dog trap, dog track, which I just found fascinating. Like the number of weird things that are happening over a dog track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There are several cemeteries in Rehoboth, King Philip's Cave in Norton, and the Hornbine School and Shad Factory in Rehoboth. Mm-hmm. All of these, if you want more information, all of these are included in the documentary. Yeah. All of those places. And they go into a little bit deeper. They give you a couple stories from each. They give you the history of what happened to mm-hmm. it, how it became, what it became. This was one of the ones that I found fascinating. Fascinating. It's the legend of the red-headed hitchhiker yeah. on Route 44. And it should be noted, this Route 44 isn't actually included in the actual triangle itself. It's no. an area outside of it. I think it's north of it. It is said that a man with a big ginger beard, a plaid flannel shirt, and jeans is often seen on the side of the road near the Rehoboth Seekonk town line. And you know what he does? He goes around and hops in people's cars and, and he tells them where all the cool IPA breweries are. He does. No, I'm just kidding. And then he disappears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But could you imagine you see this this guy? The Phantom and, Hitchhiker story is actually common. It is. It's very common. Yeah. But could you imagine you pull over and you're like, hey, buddy, you need a ride? Mm-hmm. And he gets in. And you're chit-chatting away. Like, where are you going? And you're driving along. All of a sudden you look back and dude's gone and you're like, <laughs> well, that was like that story we talked about uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I forget what it, which episode it was. It's probably ghosts or hauntings or something yeah. like that. And there was that house that that person went to. Yeah. And like there was people in the house. Like, yeah. They spoke and, yeah. to people and then like goes over to the corner store and they're, you know, he was mm-hmm. talking about this experience and they're like, dude, those people died like. Yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> that house burned down and everybody yeah, burned died. down and everybody died. <laughs> and, and you're like, you know, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Talk about a shining moment, you know. And then there's the Freetown State Forest, which has perhaps the darkest reputation of them all. There's Assonant Ledge, and this is the site of many suicides. And that's also where the um, woman in white, the floating woman, that's mm-hmm. where she hangs out, where people who've never considered suicide are said to get the sudden urge to jump. Could you imagine? It's kind of like the suicide forest where you're just like walking along and then you're just like, I'm never going to get out of here. This is horrible. I might as well. Might as well just lay here. Help me, Lord. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. 
Well, but the suicide force, those were people that were actually going to end their life. Yes, most of them were. Yeah, yeah. But I like... I like the fact that this ledge is there's just people walking around this state forest and they get to this ledge and and for some reason there's there are people who just feel compelled well, to jump. Well, the one they were talking about had water below it yep. and you know so some people would just be like, "Oh, I'll just jump into this. It'll be cool." Yeah. You know, so I again this not. is <laughs> this place is loaded with legends. It is. And that's really what you got to keep into this whole thing here is it's legends. And they yes. this was the one thing that I adored about the documentary is they really focused on the legend aspect of this place. They did. Every story has, well, I heard it from my brother's cousin's former roommate. Yeah. You know, and all these stories, a lot of them are three Second, times, third, two times, four hand. times removed. Yeah. And uh, I really, I had to respect the honesty in that because there's so many paranormal investigative documentaries where yeah, they, they just glaze over that. And they just take it at face value. Yeah. And they're just like, this guy told me this happened, yeah. but I didn't press yeah. as to where he got that from, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really have to applaud the people that made this documentary to include that. Right. And it wasn't just the people that made the documentary. It was the paranormal investigators. It was. It was the investigators, you know, but even the people telling the stories. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, this isn't my story. This, but I appreciate yeah. paranormal investigators that stick to that. Exactly. And, and respect yeah. that because the ones that don't lose me immediately because it's like, no, there's no way you have this many firsthand accounts of a place because no place is like that. Right. Yes. So let's get back to this uh, Freetown State Forest and this Assinet Ledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Much of the lore here and the the mystery is it's tied to actual horrifying true crime stories. Yeah. So retired Freetown detective Sergeant Alan Elvis said he witnessed evidence of regular satanic cult activity in the forest for 15 to 20 years, beginning in the late 70s and continuing into the early 90s. He said he he and other officers would regularly find animals that appeared to be sacrificed ritualistically with no blood in the animal, but none at the scene either. They'd often find satanic graffiti or upside-down crosses and pentagrams. Elvis said police believed the infamous Fall River cult murders, murderers, Carl Drew and uh, Robin Murphy, conducted yeah. the rituals in the forest, even having a hut in the middle of it. And then they also had, like, this weird, like, bunker also in the forest that was just, again, filled with satanic well, stuff. And again, this gets back to, because we just talked about this with Son of Sam, where, you know, everybody's, you know— Oh, the satanic panic wasn't real. It was a bunch of bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, there was weird shit happening in places, you know. And just because it wasn't happening in your hometown or wasn't happening around you, it doesn't mean it didn't exist. Right. You know, and so stuff like this, it was interesting because, again, getting into kind of the satanic entry of things, Mm -hmm. you had people that were robbing graves yeah. And what they were doing was trying to get bones so they could get accepted into, into the cult, the cult or yeah. the group, yeah. the club, yeah. you know. And then from there, what would happen is, is you'd see this escalation. I think what's really incredible about the Bridgewater area is they have this documented where it 
escalated. Yeah. It was these small things. It was little animals. Then it yeah. was like human skulls they were grabbing from the grave. Yep. Then it was these bigger animals. And then there was like the kind of the the crescendo of the story, so to speak, where there was literally like 20 to 30 calves yeah. that were slaughtered. Yeah. You know, and just out in the woods here. And left and in the like woods. And it's like this yeah. big sacrifice. And, and that's where... Like, I don't think people understand, like, you follow these stories in these concentrated areas where it happened and they have the documentation and the, the evidence and the investigation into it. It creeps up. Yep. There's a gateway into it. Yeah. And there's this escalation where mm-hmm. it goes. And you got to ask yourself, how far does that go? Right. Like, if they didn't l- stop that and they didn't get people into certain areas, you know, so they had the prostitution killings yeah, through into there. That. Next. And and what they found out basically in short was that it was a whole different angle altogether, but they were involved yeah. in this this lifestyle. So, so they're it's saying, blurry. Um the police did find the, the underground bunker with creepy dolls believed to belong to a satanic comp- couple who were prosecuted for molesting the children they had adopted. Elvis was the first officer on the scene at the discovery of the 15-year-old Mary Lou Aruda of Ranham when her body um, was found after she was kidnapped in 1978. And she was found dead in the forest two months later tied to a tree. They're saying at first they thought she was associated with the cult. And then it turned out, no, there was a, a separate other guy who had killed her. Killed and her, they yeah. said in the documentary that... She was alive when she was tied to the tree standing up. And when she was found two months later, you know, she was still fully clothed, tied Mm. to the tree. Yeah. And he said, that stayed with me because at the time my daughter was just a few years younger, Elvis said. It really stood with me and it stays with me today. Since Coleman's introduction of the Bridgewater Triangle to the world, a select group of paranormal investigators and enthusiasts have stepped up to record and investigate as many strange occurrences as possible, and in doing so, continue the story of the Triangle. Most have their own websites devoted to their findings in the Triangle, or YouTube channels, or blogs, or books. A lot of books. But none have any definitive answers as to what is actually going on there. Quote, It's trying to solve a mystery that doesn't want to be solved, Balzano said. You're never going to find the answer, but you're going to find a lot of clues. So what is going on in this triangle? And there are those who were skeptics who have some sort of occurrence there, and then they turn around and believe, is it because the region has been defined as strange that people are automatically attributing these things that could easily be explained as paranormal because there's a heightened sense of awareness while living there? Kadow asked, in other words, you hear something crashing in the woods and it could be a deer. But everyone's mind automatically goes to Bigfoot because they're living in the Bridgewater Triangle. Others who have dedicated their time to investigating the triangle are convinced there's something more going on. Bellinger believes it goes back to King Philip's War, a war between the English settlers and the American natives in the mid-1670s. The bloodiest war per capita in U.S. history, it took place largely in the Bridgewater Triangle region and ended with the Wapanog chief, Metacom, also known as King Philip, um, being hung, beheaded, drawn, and quartered, and his head being displayed on a pike for 200 years 
at Plymouth Colony. His head was on the pike only for 20 years. Only for 20 years. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but what took place there? So this was the betrayal. And yes. this is where the curse starts. Yes. And so they were at war. And I'll say struggle. I won't mm-hmm. go with war totally. It did escalate into a war and there was a lot of casualties. There was one thing they kind of blanded off there where they were like, this was the worst war in the States. And I was like, nah. Well, they said it was the bloodiest war per capita because that region lost 5% Civil of its war. population. Civil war. Exactly. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, it's just undeniable. Yeah. So, so, um, but outside of that, so the problem was is the colonialist uh, was Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was looking to broker a peace deal with this king. Mm-hmm. And basically he left and said, look, I'm going, we're going to get this peace deal. We're going to settle this out. He left. And while he was gone, the king, his wife and his kids got butchered and he had his head put on a stake. Yep. So this Benjamin guy comes back yeah. and he's like, fuck, yep. you know, so this is what people will call the curse Yeah. because they'll say that the natives curse the land. You know, and right. some of them get right into this story that there was like this wampum belt yes, which that told, he gave as an yes. offering as part of this peace deal. And they're saying that the um, the peace won't stop until, until the returned. belt is returned to its yeah. proper place. Um, fascinating story. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be simple as that. Um, I don't think it really kind of. You know, this is where curses are so attractive, you know, because yeah. you can really hit this wide breadth of thing. You know, yeah, everything the, you attribute to the curse. Right. You but know, the Wampanoag people were talking about like these Pukwudgies and the shadow entity associated with the Pukwudgies even before the colonists even got here. Correct. Which is when they're like, oh, so maybe this predates all. It's, I mean, we're talking this goes back. 9,000 years, basically, yeah. is what they're looking at, yeah. you know, with the archaeological stuff uh, that they've done and yep. things that they've unearthed and, and checked out and tried to do some, you know, carbon dating or whatever method they're using through there. Uh, yeah, stuff's gone back about as, you know, as far back as 9,000 years. And that's yeah. where I respect the people's opinions of this could have been like this for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, they're saying that this King Philip's War could merely be a symptom of this yeah, just a residual of an underlying thing. bigger yeah. bigger thing that's yep. there. Yeah, I I yeah. would agree. With they that. say it, it seems to be so mysterious and much older, having something to do with the land and possibly even mm-hmm. the the consciousness of of the people. Water and has a memory. It does. It really does. You're going to be so upset that I watch Frozen because... No, I'm not. I love it. I love it so much. Do you know that water has a memory? It does. (laughs) It does. I posted a meme if, for those of you who are actually friends with my personal page, I posted the... Oh, that's so insider. Winter, summer, blowout. (laughs) The number... The super summer blowout. The number of times that plays out in Mm -hmm. my head I mean, right down to the hands, the hands, yeah. it's multiple times a day mm-hmm. and it's always, <laughs> that's how they really in. Yeah. So 
There are these places all over the globe that are nicknamed window areas, said Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research. There are these locations that seem to be like a tear in the veil to other realities. It's a thing. It's not a location. It's not a, it's not a random place on a map. It's a living, breathing thing that has a hunger and has a dark side to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But whatever you believe, the Bridgewater Triangle is really, for some, it's right outside their door. And when you see something strange, you might just wonder, is it something more than it seemed? The tri- um, As we said, there are other places, Middleborough, Segregonset, Dighton, North Dighton, Berkeley, and Murex that also have um yeah, happening surrounding, surrounding areas, that have surrounding areas um the Hockamock Swamp now we've mentioned the Puckwudgie and you could be thinking to yourself okay you guys just keep talking about this Puckwudgie like we know what this is and they're just little 3 4 foot little beings they're supposed to have uh gray skin uh they're supposed to be like magical and usually there's some sort of orb associated with it or they can disappear Mm -hmm. uh one of the other legends is you know the puckwudgie can help lead you to safety or you know a reward of some type or or danger they could lead you to the edge of the cliff and you could fall and die (laughs) maybe that's safety you know you never know what you're gonna get yeah but i i think i would put the puckwudgie in the I don't know if I would put it fully in the cryptid or if I would put it in this like otherworldly This category. is the stuff I circle around with all the time. Like this is stuff that goes through my head and like I'll I'll go a certain distance and then I can't go any further. And then I'll go the other way. Right. And then I can't go any further. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes these legends and these sightings because I'm I've said it with every episode and I say it as a disclaimer because I don't want people to think I have a bad opinion on this. Right. I think when people see things, they see them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to deny what people say they saw. Right. I'm never going to do that. Mm. We've done UFO sightings. Mm -hmm. We've done cryptids. Mm -hmm. We've done, you know, and we've talked about all these cases and these people that come out and talk about these things. I don't want to take that away from them ever. No. You know, if they really feel they saw something. They saw you know, something. They saw something. Yeah. You know, it's I'm legitimate. Not take that away you know, from them. and and I'll never take that away from them. And there's some of them that are credible. There's some of them that are questionable. You know, I mean, like there's a police officer over there that saw this huge, like twelve foot wingspan bird. Yeah, sometimes you know, referred to as a thunderbird. Thunderbird, or yeah. like a version of like a pterodactyl, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, um, which fun fact: there are sightings of this huge bird. Mm-hmm. All over. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people, um, in their description, it does sound like a pterodactyl. Yeah. And and here's the thing. You could look at that as something spiritual. Mm-hmm. If you're a spiritual person, you're going right. to hit that component. Yep. If you're more of a scientific type person, you know that there's groups that are doing genetic testing yeah. that are way out the bounds of what's considered mor- moral mm-hmm. and ethical. You know, so does one of these things just get loose? And if they do it, they say, oh, well, who cares? Nobody's going to freaking believe it. So, you know, so there's all these different angles with that yeah. type of stuff. And so when you get into the stories of the Puckwidgees and, and you know, things like that, it's it's a hard camp to 
kind of figure out what the hell that stuff is. The fact that the natives had a whole history yeah. behind the that brings a separate Papuaji. dynamic into it yeah. so like you go it's and you gotta see make you at least pause well and you see these drawings or yeah. you know or yep. etches or things like that and you know it's on a stone that dates back to you know let's say three thousand four thousand mm-hmm. five thousand nine thousand years you know this adds a whole different context to it and that's where it definitely breeds this spiritual thing it does you know it, it really does i Personally, myself, I do think it's more spiritual. The more and more I look into it, and the more and more I, I I get into, and I mean, I am having this spiritual thing that's going on you, with me. You are very much having but, spiritual, awakening. but it's just it's hard to it's it's hard to zero in on anything else. It it really truly is. Um, I I think like with this area here. What also happens is, is you get a group of people that start saying this is a paranormal hotspot. Mm-hmm. People do all this research and then they go in. So you get these preconceptions into your head, too. Yeah. Now you're looking at a golem situation mm-hmm. where, you know, are you producing mm-hmm. something because you want to? Are you to? creating it? Are you creating Because of your this? belief in it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like I told you, and it never sto- it never stops. Like if I won the Mega Millions... Yes. Or if I won Powerball and say I won billion dollar Powerball, I am creating an area and I'm going to make it a false hotspot just to have people go through and check it out and just see. It'll have a background. It'll have a story. Create a lore, a mystery. Create a lore. Mm -hmm. Lores. Multiple lores, multiple legends and things like that. And just see what the hell happens with that. So let's get into some, some more of these stories. Oh, yeah. In 1988. Two boys followed a pair of giant three-toed footprints into Hockamock Swamp. To their horror, they came upon a massive bird-like creature that neither had ever witnessed the likes of in their lives. The winged monster caught a glimpse of the two boys and took off straight into the air. The frightened youths ran for their lives, later uh, recanting their story to police and neighbors. It was concluded that the two youths witnessed a great blue heron, a very large bird native to the New England area. The two youths. I have seen blue herons. Yeah. They are they are huge. Oh, they are big. They are large. Mm-hmm. But they're not otherworldly. Like you look yeah, at Yeah, here's the thing though. If you've never seen maybe anything like that yeah. before, and I can say that because I worked on the canal and yep. especially off the Mohawk where mm-hmm. The Mohawk, they have a lot of blue herring out there, and they have big ones. Yes. And I remember people that were, like, born and raised in Albany and started working as laborers, and they'd right. never been out in that area before, and they'd see something like that. And I I remember that reaction of them. And this is, like, again, stuff you've got to put in context with stuff, that if you get people that are traveling to other areas, and I know you're holding your finger up because you got another story no, or another piece of evidence with it. it. But, yeah. but what I'm getting at is is... This is the problem with some of these areas is you've got people now flocking over to this area that are A, from suburbia, mm-hmm. or even worse, from the city. Mm-hmm. And they've never been outdoors like this before. Right. And this really creates this situation yes. where you're going to see things that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's something as simple as like a herring. A heron. Yeah, you know, a heron. And, and you're just like, what the hell is that? And The children swore the creature they saw was much larger 
than any heron, being more the size of a tall man with half-human features. Mm -hmm. The story was almost laughable until someone remembered another similar sighting from 1971 with a notable police sergeant, Thomas Downey. As Sergeant Downey was driving home along Winter Street in Marshfield, he came upon a giant creature standing at the edge of the swamp. According to the officer, it resembled a bird, but stood over six feet tall. The creature moved toward the car, then flew straight up away from the vehicle. It had a wingspan of about eight to 12 feet in length. And when other officers arrived at the scene, a few large three-toed footprints were all that was found as evidence of said creature. Oddly enough, the sighting was at a place called Bird Hill, where the indigenous people spoke frequently of a legendary thunderbird. Their ancestors claimed that the great bird lived in the swamp and to this day apparently still does. Thunderbirds are not the sole responsible um, story. They're not solely responsible for the cryptid sightings Mm -hmm. within the Bridgewater Triangle. A few more uh, famous and often talk about monsters in this reported area is Bigfoot. In 1970, residents reported seeing a hairy seven-foot monster running through their yards, sometimes on all four legs. Local and police conducted a lengthy manhunt for what they thought was a giant bear at the time, yet no such animal was ever spotted or captured. On April 8, 1970, two officers were parked in a police cruiser near the swamp. Suddenly, the rear end of the car lifted into the air and then dropped with a loud bang. The officers quickly spun the car around and trained their spotlight on something hairy resembling a bear as it ran on two legs behind um, a house. A thorough search of the area commenced, but no bear or any other creature was ever found. And a hunter once shot at a large animal in the woods that ran off and gave a half-human, half-animal cry. Later, he found brown hair and blood on some leaves along the path the creature had fled. Yeah. A woman in West Bridgewater heard a noise one night in her yard. She looked out her window and saw a large bipedal creature eating a pumpkin in her garden. The hairy animal looked at her through the window with reddish-orange eyes, then with a grunt took off with the pumpkin into the woods because the heart wants what the heart wants. (laughs) A Triangle resident, Joseph M. DeAndrade, spent decades collecting reports of the creature. The average lifespan of a wild bear is about five to seven years, depending. 15 years would be extremely unlikely, and 30 years in the wild is virtually impossible. So what is it out there roaming along the outskirts of the human population? In the um, documentary, they also talk about these huge cats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some are the colors of a mountain lion and others are black, Mm -hmm. like a black panther. And black panthers aren't supposed to be in in the U.S. There's a whole different take on that as well. Because, I mean, I grew up with a a kid I grew up with in high school. Their parents had a, a hotel and they had money. Yeah. You know, and they had a lynx for a pet. You know, yep. so this isn't far-fetched that no, stuff yeah. could go around. And you always knew when it wasn't in the house anymore because people were reporting their cats missing yep. and stuff like yeah. that. You know, and I mean, it's just doing what a lynx it, yeah. does. It's a you know? wild I mean, animal. It's, it's yeah. doing what they do. And, and uh, yeah, so there's, you know, so to get back at that, what I'm saying, like back with the blue heron and stuff like mm-hmm. that, it's like, you know, those can be up to six feet tall. 
they can get really big. I've seen them with my own two eyes. I've also seen people that have no idea of anything like that and watching them see that for the first Mm -hmm. time. So this is where, you know, I'm getting back to the beginning of what we were saying. And this is where I wish the rant kind of stuck, you know, on the first take was, you know, you got to get your sources straight on things. And you also got to take into context who you're receiving information from. So if I hear something paranormal out in the woods and it's somebody from suburbia or out in Mm-hmm. Like from the city and they've never been in the woods that much. I'm going to take very lightly a lot of their accounts. I'm still not going to say they didn't see what they saw. Right. But it's just you got a, a a bigger hurdle to jump over for someone like myself. Now, the native stories is what always gets me. Yes. And you see that with me all the time that, you know, I don't reveal on the show watching shows and documentaries. Yes. When I watch like the cryptid stuff and there's the native that lives in the area and they're born and raised yeah. out in the woods and they've been out there and they've yep. seen everything and they know what a bear sounds like and they know what a cat sounds like. My they, favorite. They is, know what koi dogs yep. sound like. And, you know, they know I, was, I can relate to that stuff because right. I've been out in the woods a lot and I'm comfortable in those areas. But like even listening to this one just recently and they're like, I dare you to walk there at midnight and not feel like something's strange out there. It's like you're walking through the woods at, at midnight. midnight. I don't care where you are. Yeah. You can walk you could through be in any the, woods. You could be in the Adirondacks. You could be in your local park. In yeah. In the woods at your local park at midnight, and it's going to feel weird. And it should have a creepy tendency to yeah. it, unless you're in that stuff All the often. Time. You know, and even then, yeah. you're still going to feel a bit of it. Mm-hmm. It's natural. It's yeah. predatory defense. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, it's just... part of our genetics. Yeah. It's part of what helped us survive it's your it's your natural dna at work right and and that's the stuff that you know i get it 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 helps the allure and the story and and it helps the legend and and all that stuff but uh yeah it's i think it all has to be taken in context i think definitely like bridgewater so far of everything of what we saw and read about and and heard i think it's one of those Literally, like, you could split it right down 50-50, maybe even 75-25 type of places where, you know, 75% of it is legend and people just yep. are spreading a great story. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's no different. They're just passing on it's legend. no different than catching fish. Mm-hmm. That fish starts out at 12 inches. It was a pretty good catch. And then two, three years later, you know, every five years that fish gets longer by two inches every five years. You so know. for our fishermen out there, it has been advised that you take an action figure with you when you go fishing so that when you catch your fish, you can put the action figure next mm. to your fish. And I don't mean an action figure like Batman, Superman. I mean like a dude doll dressed in regular clothes and you put it next to your fish. Like and Chucky? Then all of a sudden, your fish looks massive. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm gonna have all my fish next to Chucky. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy Please a Chucky don't. doll and. Please don't. I won't leave it in the house. Are you sure you want that? What a Chucky when doll? We, when we clearly state no dolls. I said I wouldn't have it in the house. Still. I'll just leave it somewhere, <laughs> like by the fishing hole. That'd be even weirder. <laughs> I'd give him a little pull. People'd be like, "Holy fuck!" That's how I. You know what? That's how I'm gonna protect my good fishing spots. I'm gonna put a freaking. Buy a series of Chucky dolls. I'm going to get dolls, just <laughs> fucking weird dolls. And I'm going to put them around the area. People are going to be like, fuck this place. Teddy oh, Ruxpin. Yeah. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin. 
With the tape. Yeah. Playing. Playing. Yep. Holding on to a little kid's fishing pole. You know what I'm going to do, though? I'm going to hide the batteries on the inside, and I'm going to have the battery pack out, so they'll be like, this thing's playing without batteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So another cryptic spot <laughs> is Anawan Rock in the Freetown State Forest. Belzano said the site, um, this site is reminiscent and led to the end of King Philip's War in 1676. And this is a place that's known for ghost fires near the rock. The phantom fires is a weird thing. Yeah. And then spoken to and pushed in the back by unknown beings. Uh, Mm -hmm. A native, an an elderly native American is seen walking through there. Yeah. Um, So the phantom fires for people that don't know, this is when you're in the woods and you see a big bonfire off in the distance. Yep. And then you walk over there to see what's going on over there and there's no fire. Right. There's no sign of any fire. Nope. There's no, no evidence that a fire wood. was not, ever been there. That a fire was even been there. There's not a fire pit, nothing. Yep. And then the stranger stories are is so they you walk back, back yep. and they see the fire. And there. the fire's there. Yeah. That was a good one. I did like that one. I've never I've never seen that before. You've I've never heard seen of, Phantom Fire. I've heard about them. But I, um I have heard um I stumbled across uh, it was a national park, like, I don't know if it was like a forum or mm-hmm. it It was just a collection of national park stories and the phantom fires show up in the, in the parks. The yeah. forest service was like, yeah, no, that's just, that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. And I like how they're like, oh no, that's just a thing that happens. And you're like, wait. <laughs> no, there's, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I won't deny that there's weird stuff going on there. I mean- I, I've never had any of this stuff happen to me, yeah. and that's where I have kind of my own personal take on things, but um, that's another episode, and I've talked about it in the past, but the, uh, yeah, the phantom fire thing, yeah, I, that would be weird if I saw that, and, and it's not just here, like yeah. you mentioned, it, it's yeah. other places, yeah. you know, and, and there's people that shrug it off, like, yeah, it's just a thing you see out here, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. the, the one they had in the documentary was the one that was across the lake. Yeah. So she made her way across the lake. There's nothing there. Yeah. So she's like... Could you imagine that? You sit over you, there and, and then you know, you you know make you're your way back. in the middle of stuff. And so it's like, great. So I paddle all the way over there. Yep. Just to find out there's nothing there. Right. And then paddle all the way back and be like, really? Turn around and you're like... Yeah. <sighs> I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's weird. It's so. What do you What do you think? Personally, me. Yeah, like what What's your take on it? On the limited knowledge that you have at this time of what's going on over there. Okay. What's your thoughts? I'm going to lay softly in the camp of this is something that dates back to the Native Americans. It's old. Or predates them. Yes. Yeah. So whatever is happening there, the because the Native Americans from that area, the Wampanoags, actually do have stories in their in their history. In the same vein. In yeah. the same vein. So I think that there's probably just something weird. I wouldn't be at all sur- uh surprised to find that, you know, there's a, a high magnetic field or energy or what have you there's something there that is either affecting the area or affecting the people that go in the area mm-hmm. 
Now, do I think all of these things are happening? I have no idea. Yeah, it's you know, tough. Because there are there were a lot of firsthand, firsthand accounts of no, people definitely. that witnessed stuff. And definitely. I'm not going to tell them they didn't see that mm-hmm. because you know what? They saw something. Well, that's My like favorite the... are the ones who won't even, who refuse to give their name. Yeah. Because yeah. they're no, like, are... no, I don't want to be associated with it. I also liked the the guy from Boston who saw the weird home plate thing in the sky. Yeah, because that was verified like, by like four or five different people from four or five different locations. Correct. And they gave the same... All of them gave the same description. Yeah, the same testimony and description yep. of when it happened, where it was. Yep. So it was all, they were looking at the same thing. And, and the actual shape of the exactly. the object. And I think he said it know. best. I saw what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And he just left it at that. He's yeah, like, I'm I not think... going to try and convince. Now, the other guy that was with him is all about trying to convince people that, yes, this is what they saw. And not only did they see it. But these yep. countless others saw it as well. Yeah, and that's He's the like, funny thing with crafts. Like, you know, because we got into this with UFOs yep. and stuff like that. It's like you can really get caught up in your current era, mm-hmm. you know, and just sit there and be like, eh, it's the government messing around with stuff, blah, 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 blah. And you it know? could very well and be. it could be. You know, this gets back to that 50-50, 70-30 type of, you know, ratios with things, you know. But there are drawings in cave walls that or have... On- Ancient similar rocks and type like, of things and and you're like okay yeah you know that's this why is, i don't want to completely discount you know, it so so now you've got to look at something that spans time yep also spans time before a pre-industrial age mm-hmm. you know of things like this Pre-dates you know any of us yeah pre-technological age yep. pre-information technology age yeah. pre-industrial age you know and and that's what makes these uh these stories and legends really juicy, you know. Yeah, I just well, uh, I shared that cartoon or that comic in the Facebook group with the pharaohs in Egypt, yeah. and the pharaoh's wife is like, "The big-eyed, shiny people left you another pointy thing, and it's a it's the pyramids." Yeah, and he's just standing out there looking at the pyramids. You know, I don't know because there are people that state that. I know they have a theory as to how the pyramids were built, but they're saying that the the uh, the rocks that they used or whatever from the quarry, they're saying to pull those over the rolling logs because it was miles away. They're like, it's, I is it doable? Yes, but oh, are you talking about the pyramids? Yeah. See, that's a whole nother podcast because yeah. I was of the camp that, oh, it was definitely aliens. Aliens could be yeah, the only thing, intelligent race. But I think, I think that really shortcuts the intelligence of people during that era. Yes. And there's this assumption that people have that we're the smartest it ever was. Mm-mm. And I disagree with that. Um, I, I, I think it really is a smack in the face to people of every era. Yeah. I think there was a high amount of intelligence always occurring. Yes. Given the circumstance of what people had available. And I think and the I reason think, we have a problem with it is we're applying our yeah. thought process. So I'll give you an example of that, of something you can touch and yeah. feel right now. If you live in New York, in New York State, in the United States, yes. or even if you live uh, out in Europe, 
um, you know, because there's some spots that have canals Mm -hmm. and they have a locking system. Mm -hmm. So out here in New York, they use the old locking system that's worked forever. Yes. And basically what it is, it's a series of valves Mm -hmm. and um, they're, they're used by machines now with electricity. Right. But earlier it wasn't. You would just crank these valves open manually and, and close them manually. And basically, it's just displacement of water. You're right. adding water from this high area, and it's going into here. And then you just empty it out when you need the lock empty. Right. We always used to say, when we worked on the, when I worked on the canal, I worked on the cal- canal for six summers, basically. Yeah, six, seven summers in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and basically, we used to say it all the time. We we're like, and this was back in the in the '90s, like late 90s to almost early 2000s, we said, if we were to build this now, we would make it too complicated. Exactly. It wouldn't work. Yep. You know, it, it wouldn't work as too easy as this does. Mm-hmm. You know, we tried, we'd over-engineer it is what yeah. we used to say all the time. And it's true. You look at computers now. Another great example. Look at how over-engineered computers and phones are. Mm-hmm. All this bloat software. I look at the hardware requirements to run a laptop now. And it's to do the same shit that was done 15 years ago. And computers used to run so lean. But the reason they need all this processing power now is because they're trying to collect all your data. Yeah. They're trying to collect your usage. And you yeah. can opt out of all that stuff, but it's designed to collect, to all, collect that all that stuff. It's yeah. not just designed to have a word processor mm-hmm. up there or a spreadsheet or for you to just surf the internet, even surfing the internet, you know, it, it's got this ability to save your passwords and remember your usernames and logins for all the sites that used to go to and all that stuff. It's gotten so bloated and over-engineered when it used to be really lean and simple. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm getting a, a new love affair back in with Linux because mm-hmm. Linux is just this nice, simple, easy operating system that has no bloat on it. You can run it on anything. I could buy a laptop that's 15 years old and I can put a new distribution of Linux on it mm-hmm. and and it runs yeah. great. And you're up and ready to oh, go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it runs circles around stuff that's running now that's got 18 core processors in it or something like that. And And that's the same thing with the pyramids. I think the fact that we don't know what the landscape was like then. Yeah. And also there was just a different type of person there. Yeah. There was a person that would have been honored to be a part of building those pyramids, mm-hmm. knowing that they never saw the beginning of how it was built and they're never, never going to see, see the, the end. end. Yeah. But there was an honor there that we don't have anymore. No. We don't have any of that type of no. stuff. If a, if somebody's working on a project and it's more than a year, I don't know if I want that kind of commitment in my life. You know, <laughs> I want to travel. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to some restaurants and eat food. You know, there's no, there's no legacy there with that type of stuff. And, um, I think you really got to evaluate all that stuff to consider how the pyramids were built. Um, And like I said, yeah, I think it's a slap in the face to the intelligence that probably existed in that area. Yeah. So back to this. And that perfection was everywhere. That perfection was in Rome, Mm -hmm. the way Rome was set up. You know, yeah, the Great Wall of China. I mean, that is a modern, that is an amazing marvel. And again, it doesn't have the exact perfection that... Right. Like the pyramids do, but here's the thing: the per- the pyramids aren't as perfect as everybody thinks they no, are. No, they're not. But, you know, and I and mean, you'll learn that the more you 
learn about them. Yeah, I don't you know? think you can you can put the pyramids and the Great Wall in the same yeah category, if you will, yeah. because they're two completely different things that fulfilled two completely different. Needs. Yeah, but they're amazing yeah. they engineering amazing. Yeah. engineered they're infrastructures. Of engineering. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, but you have uh, you have the whole water system that uh, I was just reading about Mesopotamia and like how Mesopotamia failed. It was a lot of reasons. But um, but one big reason was is the way they were dealing with irrigation. They didn't they didn't flood it out well or not flood it out, but they got the water coming in. But but getting it out, they didn't do well. And what would happen is the water would evaporate and it would leave this salt on the earth. And what it ended up doing was killing everything. Yeah. And can't. so ultimately they weren't able to grow food anymore. Right. Now, granted, it was war torn and they had a lot of opposing states that were at war with each other and they weren't a collective uh, thing under like Alexander's rule where right. they were just one state. Right. They became these mini states, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's things like that that, yeah, I hate to say it, you got to read into it, mm-hmm. you know, and you got you to gotta learn more about it. I think this whole thing with, you know, the triangle... With Bridgewater, I agree. I think it's a lot further back than the warring faction of the colonists and Native Americans. I I think it was further past that. I think it, I think the colonists and Native Americans thing is a good story. You know, it is. It is a good, it's a compelling narrative. These mean colonists came in and they destroyed it. And you've got that beautiful story of the curse and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. But, you know, you got to wonder, did the curse bring that, you know, how did they have that happen to them? And, you know, is there a bad energy in places? Yeah, sometimes, you know. Yeah. And I think uh, this is where you really start getting into a gray area between the spiritual world mm-hmm. and the real world. Yeah. And uh, this is where I invite science to come into all this stuff because, you know, I have my own take where I think science is going to ultimately prove spirituality in a huge way, Yeah, you know, because science can only go so freaking far. Yeah. And even the stuff that they're nailing now with like, uh, you know, I love talking to people and we mention this, you know, a lot, or at least I do with, you know, people talking about the multiverse and how mm-hmm. there's these different multi universes and stuff like that. And they're, you know, well, yeah, no, science has that figured out. It's like, no, they're theories. Yeah, it's a theory that it's a theory mean it's that works out. on paper. Yeah. How many theories in your life that work out on paper work out in real life? Not many. No. Not many at all. No. You know, and so science provides this cozy dots the I's, crosses the T's. Well, the whole it's very point, definitive. Yeah. It's on or off. It's zero or one, you know, but at the end of the day, science struggles with a lot of common things and yeah. a lot of things they just won't even touch. We're going to get into that next month, you we know, in this are... next week's episode, we're going to get yeah. into that type of thing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to wrap up with this? Because no. I thought that was a good segue. You it know. is a- no. Segway. Yeah. Segway. Segway. Uh, yeah. So this next month, if you've been following us uh, since the beginning, yep. you know, every um, Easter, every Easter and in the, the run up of Lent to Easter, we pick the month through there. And, you know, so here we are in March, uh, approaching yep. March, at least the next episode. And this is where we do our holy month, so mm-hmm. to speak, where we pull away from horror and the murders and the, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And, uh, and we just 
talk about holy stuff, basically. Yeah. Which, and I um, mean, I know we do a lot of, I know it's oh the horror, but a lot of what we do are are mysteries, and yeah. you can't get more mysterious than. So our next week's episode, this. I've been wanting to do since we started the podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to explain why. We waited so long. Yes. Because I wanted to learn a lot about this. Because mm-hmm. this is a fascinating topic for me. It this is. This is a massively fascinating. Like, I cannot. I think it's just fascinating in and of itself. I cannot read enough about mm-hmm. it. And the more I read about it, the more I have a hard time reconciling that it's something else. Right. It really is a hard thing to argue with. So what are we... Stop being cryptic. What are we doing? Eucharistic miracles. Yeah. And I really... uh, If this is out of your comfort zone, I really strongly beg and plead... Give it a shot. ...for you to give it a shot, because I guarantee you're going to hear things that you've never heard before. Right. You're going to hear things that... Why didn't I know about this? Yes. And... I'm, we're going to be very deeply thorough yes. on where the information came from, how it was sourced. I this is why I waited. That you should, if you would normally bounce because you're like, I don't want to listen to the holy related stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you should listen to, and if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, go back. They're worth a listen. Mm-hmm. Because there's something there. Yeah. There's something in all of that. There's something unexplainable yes. that just doesn't and compute. It's, it's as mysterious as this other as stuff. As this it's stuff. As it mysterious really is. as to me, it's La Llorena. To me, it's, it's more exactly. mysterious. You yes. know, because like I said, with Eucharistic miracles, mm-hmm. I can at least speak for. Yes. Uh, we're going to show the science and the mm-hmm. science is there. Yes. The the documented history mm-hmm. and the, you know, without getting too deep into it now, just the corroborative evidence yes. for Eucharistic miracles. This is something that I would imagine most people, they know, know, they know about them or they might've heard Maybe. the word, but they don't know the whole meat and potatoes of it. And right. so, like I said, I, I really, if this is out of your comfort zone, I really implore that you stick around give it a and, shot. And, and give it a shot and check it out. Um, and I'd be very curious if to see. for no other reason than. Just to it, validate what you think. Or <laughs> to trigger you into your own research. Yeah. I'm or, all about that. If, or just for you to just at the end of it say, nah, whatever. Yeah. And move on. I'm fine with that. Just give it. Give it a shot. I, I'm trying to urge people to break out of their skin. Yes. You know, and, and just. Listen to the other side of things. Yes. And then and things then maybe that, that would normally make you yeah. uncomfortable or you would balk yeah. at. Because I think give it a shot. I really try th- to hear the other side. I really think after hearing this, you're gonna have some questions that you may thirst for because I can speak from personal experience. That's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna get deeper into that into the episode of how we got here. Right. How this happened. Um, mm-hmm. and then talk about the miracles, the Eucharistic miracles, yep. and uh, and not only their individual um, incidences, but also how they're interrelated. Right, and um, it's it's very interesting. It's it's one of my top topics of things to look into and to talk about. Uh, I really can't talk enough about them because I just find them 
extremely fascinating mm-hmm. and extremely interesting. And uh, I was going to put a post when the episode comes out to also just outside of the Facebook group. And I'm hoping that um, the listeners will do as well. we'll we're going to ask again next week that uh, if they're interested in this type of stuff to bring them in, that we're a horror podcast, but we do this. We do all kinds we of We do things. this holy month every year. Yeah. And if you're not into horror, that's not what Check you're going to get this month. month. Check yeah. out the holy month uh, because we want that applicable to a lot of people to to get them thinking about some of yeah. these things. And uh, so, yeah, it's four episodes. Uh, yep. So that first episode is Eucharistic Miracles. Like I said, very, very excited about it because this is something. I'm pretty excited about what we got coming up. I this wanted month. to do it the first time we did Holy Month, but I remember saying I was like, I need to know more about yeah. this because it's a it's a high it's a high claim. It is what a Eucharistic miracle yeah. is. It's a really high claim, and it is really a jump that people have to make to get there. And uh, dare say a leap of faith. Oh yeah, yeah, and and I I will say it. 20 years or older, you had every right to question some of this stuff. But this is, like I said, where I think we're now getting into where science is starting to support spirituality mm-hmm. versus draw a line from right. it. And uh, I think that's a really interesting point in time we're in right now for mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, rule number one. can't believe we're getting into our rules right after that. No Ouija boards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to sound really good next week when we talk about this stuff. When we get Half into this. of these are yeah. going to be like... Number two. No dolls. Except for your, if you want to protect your fishing spots, then yes, you can get dolls there. Fine. I'm going to do... Your Chucky, your Teddy Ruxpin. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Let's maybe see if those old dolls are still kicking around from moms. No. Rule number three. No capes? No. No. It's just... I don't know. It's not a good look. You know, unless you're Henry Cavill and you can pull it off, you know. There's not much he can't pull off, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he does it for you in just about every bit of the way. He I can mean, sharpen pencils and you'd be like, oh my God. I don't think anyone's looked sexier sharpening a pencil. <laughs> but if I have, if I'm being honest, Geralt, him playing Geralt. Yeah, okay. Does it for me. Yeah. I mean, is he a very good looking man? Yes. Mm -hmm. But when you dirty him up (laughs) and he gets all and gravelly. Yeah. Please, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Some dirt under the fingernails and gristle. Ah. Yeah. Ah. That's nothing sexier. Number four. Oh, no blood rituals. No, no. It doesn't work really anywhere. No. Bridgewater will tell you. Yeah. 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 Don't do it as bad. Next rule. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Don't (sighs) sacrifice small animals. Just don't open that door. Yeah. You know? It's a weird game. Yeah. And if you're in a new group and you're being love bombed, take a second. Step back and reassess. I, Take in the whole picture. I'm not going to get as much into the love bombing because I think 
Love's a good thing. It is, but... It, My it, problem is, is when they do the separation, when they start pulling you away from your friends, pulling you away from your family, or you feel like you have no connection with your friends or family. Or they love you and they're trying to take all of your money. They're trying to... No, and the, to, money is yeah. a, the money is the next thing. I yep. think those are the... If I were to pick two top thing with cults, yeah. where the the red light should be just a shining bright and the horn should just be blaring away it's the the separation of you from your existence yep from you know, your friends else. your family if if you found yourself if you found that your beliefs have separated you from all your friends and family you really need to kind of take a step back yeah. and say you need to do a self is this really doing the right thing yeah. for me no matter how good you think you're doing mm-hmm. you know because if that thing were to leave and be gone where are you and that's uh, that's a real heavy thing to deal with, but but you need to if you're getting pulled mm-hmm. away from something like that. And then the next one is is the money. Yeah. If they are asking you deliberately for money and also creating a situation where if you don't give money, yeah. that reduces your status in this thing that you just left everything for. Right. You know, the combination of all that. I always that's that's the two things you you got to mm-hmm. look at. Everything else falls into place, but those two things are where you got to be like, whoa, hang hang on a second, you know. These are the breaks. You're (laughs) in a cult. (laughs) Next rule. (laughs) No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Be nice. Be kind. Be thoughtful. Be considerate. You know, smile, wave. Please and thank yous go a long way. Be polite. You know. I just realized we didn't get to donate to no, we didn't. Humane Society. But that's fine. We'll get that stuff tonight, and I'll I'll go during lunch tomorrow. Okay. So, next rule: Don't engage with black-eyed entities. Yeah, this is the one thing I didn't hear from the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, it's the one thing they didn't have. So, if we are talking to a Bridgewater Triangle expert, yeah, I want to know if you have a black-eyed children's or black-eyed person story. Yep. And if you do, could you share it with us? Absolutely, and we'll and we'll, uh, we'll put it on there as another tick mark for the Bridgewater yeah, uh, lineup. Yeah, I mean Bridgewater is almost like cabin in the woods. It you is. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Who had merman? Who had merman? <laughs> <laughs> Middleborough <laughs> for the win. <laughs> for the win. <laughs> and the last rule. Just. Listen. Yeah. Which if you've been here this long, you great you, listener. You are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thank you. Yeah. But no, I've I've made a, a conscious effort now where this is one of my, my new things I'm trying to work on is uh listening and eye contact. Mm. Yeah. That was something I found I was slipping away from. Mm-hmm. You know, and um you know, I'd either be looking in a different direction and like I realize I'm like, that's so rude. You know. It is, but I find that... And then that the worst if, thing I was doing is I actually would have my phone on and while yeah, people were talking to me. Yeah. And I know where I kind of slipped into that a bit was all the stuff in the hospital with mom because I was juggling yeah. so much and I wouldn't just listen to people, you know, and... Uh, well, you were listening, but not listening yeah, to yeah. hear. But, yeah, But it's also, God, it's so disrespectful. It and is. I hated, I hated admitting to myself that I was doing that because, again, this is where humility mm-hmm. comes into play, where you got to say to yourself... 
yeah, I haven't been respecting people like I should, you know, that's okay. That's healthy, you know? And so now that's my, that's my new thing I'm trying to do, you know, it's just it's not a bad idea. Make eye contact, listen to people, not be, don't be distracted. Yeah. Don't pull up something that's distractive or anything like that. And, What's hard? and I'm finding I'm having really good quality conversations as a result of yeah. it. Like, and I feel bad, like I've cheated myself out of this for this long, but, but I also look at it as I'm, I'm glad because I've rediscovered this and i find that if i'm engaged in a really interesting conversation there are times when i look away because they've brought up something that's yeah that just provokes thought yeah Yeah. and i'm finding myself like it's almost like i'm going through my rolodex things that i know do i have any information on this no and that's different (laughs) you know i i'm not saying you gotta have like the stalker like you know and just stare but but just Yeah. yeah keep Engage. eye contact and, and also I think it's a good way to kind of interpret who you're talking to because yeah. if they have a hard time with that that's a lot of information that you're receiving about yeah. that person you know and uh, yeah so that's that's my thing yeah so Eucharistic Miracles next yep. week I hope you have an amazing day we hope you have an incredible week and please Please make good choices. Take care.